Bedlam is a scene of madness, chaos, or great confusion. And we're going to pair our mayhem with a bottle of wine. This, this is, is Bottle of Bedlam. Hello, Angela. Hello, Macy. How are you? I am good. This was kind of like last minute. It was very last minute. We're, you're in your PJs and I'm in my clothes that I've had on for two days. I'm in my PJs and I have an enormous zit on my chin. Uh, well, I did notice that after I put my glasses on. Well, I don't know what's happening to my body, but I think I'm going through puberty again or something. Like, uh, I just want to cry. My face is breaking out. Well, I, I hope that our recording puts you in an un... No. Sad mood. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Good. But, so, what did you do this weekend? Um, I actually went to the casino in Oklahoma Ooh, that you nice. frequent I, not, with your I, husband. I, we because do. of your husband. Because of my husband. And I didn't bet a dime on anything. <laughs> we just went to a concert. I never even thought, I don't even think I had any cash. I don't even think I had a dollar. <laughs> That probably sounds funny to somebody that yes. All I had was a card, oh, which yeah. reminds me, it's still in his wallet with my driver's license. Oh. I'm gonna have to get that now yes. that I'm saying this out loud. Uh, but yes, what did you do? Well, on Friday night, uh, my husband and I actually went to the uh, casino as well. Um, Brandon hit a thirty-two hundred dollar jackpot. And promptly, I got on the same machine, I hit a $1,600 jackpot, and then I won $1,000 more on the same machine. Oh. Yes. My goodness. See, this makes me wish I had put... We were in different casinos, though, right? Yes, we were. We went to the closer one. You went to Thackerville. You went to One Star, which is huge. It's like a a Vegas style. Yes. Rome and Italy and all that stuff. Okay. But um, then we, we, of course, we get all of our rooms comped because my husband is um, an excessive gambler. Yes. And yeah. he uses my card. So all the rooms are in my name, but he's the one so that's you, gambling. So you get the points in the divorce. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I get the card and the points and all the premier comped rooms. Yes. Um, We're going to have so much fun. I know. I know. We just need to. Yeah. Um, but then we got up yesterday and, uh, we came home and I actually had my family. We have a, my, my parents and my brother own an insurance company and I work with them and we had our company Christmas party last night Mm -hmm. and it was really nice. My mom, uh, she makes, she works herself to the bone and she was actually, we were decorating and trying to get everything set up for all the ladies and their plus ones and my mom slipped and fell oh my goodness and uh twisted her knee which is already not good um but the knot went off pretty well and according to dad she's okay today well good yes According to dad. According to dad. Yes. yes. I did not ask mom specifically, but she would lie no matter what. If, yes. if, even if she wasn't okay. Well, she I guess you'll okay. see her one day this week. and Oh, I'll see her tomorrow. See for yourself. <laughs> That's the thing about working with family. Yes. I talk to my brother and my mom and my dad all yeah. day, every day. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice. 
but the people, good, the bad, and the family. The family. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's we've been doing it a while though, and uh, it was really nice though. We had almost forty people in a room, and I think my dad. He just my dad just loves people so much, and then he just likes to look around, and he's got two of his three kids there, and his mm-hmm. wife, and. Um, mine and Matthew's spouses, and then, you know, a bunch of people that, um, over the years, he has woven this group of people together, and now we're this team of people that are trying to survive the insurance industry right now, so. Which is crazy. Which is awful. Yes, it's economic, and so it sucks, but... At least we have wine and crime. We have wine and crime. Oh my gosh, perfect segue. Oh my yes. Goodness. And speaking of wine. Yes. Um, I went on our trip to Oklahoma. We went by way of McKinney. Nice. And had went to the little downtown area there. Mm-hmm. Went to a winery there. And um, we stopped at a Specs and fueled up my wine stash for our... Um, Recordings. Good. And so this one is Highway 12, Pinot Noir, 2021. I don't think I've ever had this before. but I want to say I've done a Highway 12 before because I've been there before and they told me to get this brand. But I don't think I've ever bought the Pinot Noir because I'm kind of on a try something other than cab phase. Which I don't know why you are on that. Well, I am there right now, and I do like this one. Do you? I do. I like it. It's very good. I was trying to... Oh, 14.5% alcohol. That I like it more right now. We like the high percentage because mm-hmm. it's less calories to... Per gl- I mean, it takes yeah. less glasses yes. to, to make help your us feelings to melt away. <laughs> 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 to forget about the uh, to forget about the crime. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, it, it is really good. We had really good wine at the Christmas party last night. My dad, who my dad likes a good red wine, and okay. he went and bought um, one called A Thousand Stories. I've heard of that. Really good. We okay. had we had a decoy, which I love decoy freak show. I love a freak mm-hmm. show. Um, and we did the conundrum by Camus. Okay. Yes. That, for a screw top, it's phenomenal. But I see this is a screw top. As it well. is. It is. Well, it's handy. It's handy as a pocket traveling, on a shirt. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. When when one is traveling or wants to get into a bottle quickly, those are the two times that I find it's handy. Well, I, I'm embarrassed to admit that I have a wine opener in my purse, in my the console of my car. Um, I am never anywhere where I cannot readily access. A wine opener. Macy, we've been around each other enough <laughs> that we can both safely say, say same. Samesies. Samesies. Yes. Show of this. Well, We're hard um, in the, paint. the wine is very good. And it, it was what again? Remind Highway me. 12. Highway 12. So we're on Highway 11 right now. So, so it's close. just parallel. <laughs> Just parallel to where we are. I won't give your address. Just people know we're on a highway and it's called 11. Yes. Drinking Um, Highway 12. So we're going to kind of deviate a little bit today, Angelica. Um, I mean, we're still drinking wine, so we're not deviating. I mean, it's not like we've got a hard liquor or something. Oh, or beer. Yeah. Oh, beer. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> but instead of uh, talking about crime necessarily, I've I've have a little bit of a mystery for you. Well, I mean, there's death. Like, well, or I should have brought a mall back, mall back and mystery, <laughs> well, or a merlot, yes. a merlot, a mall back in his with mystery. Yes. Um. This case. This case is a uh, crazy. I read about this case probably 10 or 15 years ago, and I all I can say is I was just fascinated by it. And yes, I know I'm a huge nerd, but trust me, I truly believe that when I'm done with this, you're going to be like, hmm. Okay. I don't I'm know what happened, intrigued. and I'm scared of the ocean. Okay, this is the one that I was going to guess you might do has to do with the ocean. Because Macy, so far on this mm -hmm. series of events that we've recorded so far, yes, she has not told me what we were going to discuss. No. It's been a surprise. No. So, she just told me this one is a mystery. And, and you know I love a good ocean. Yes. I, I love me some ocean. My, um, my family started going to Florida uh, for summer vacations in the early 1990s. And we all just loved it. And then a few years ago, me and you started taking our kids yes. to the ocean together. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think our kids loved it as much as we did. But I feel like me and you, we just, in another life, we would have been beach bums. Like... I think so. Sand, toes in the sand. Yeah. Great year-round tans. And even if they didn't like it so much, I mean, they, it's not they, they did. didn't like it. We just liked it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, I think we had a deeper appreciation for it because we were. Yeah. And then well, we looked forward. my family forward. didn't do stuff like that. Yours did. Yeah. But I liked just being able to. It's better than sitting at home. For sure. You know and I mean? it's such like, a good vacation. So what if you get bored of the beach and it's too much right. time? There are worse things for you to complain about. There's never too much time. I tell Brandon yes. all the time, uh, whenever I can, if my parents are still in good health, I will retire and I will live somewhere where when I wake up, I smell salt water. No doubt. Like, it's yeah. my goals. Um, we've had, me and you have had some really good times along the Gulf of Mexico the white sand beaches, the clear blue water, the laid back week that we looked forward to every single year. And each summer, as I sat on the warm beaches, whether it was with my family or with you, with my toes stuck in the sand, smelling the fresh salt water, I can't help but look out over the ocean and just be like, so vast. Wow. That's the exact word. Just awestruck by the vastness. There is water for as far as you can see, mm -hmm. the water, the ocean meets the sky. And it's just this crazy, incredible feeling of we are so small and the ocean is so big. Um, getting deeper and deeper and bluer and bluer, the ocean has always fascinated me. Um, and I've heard it said that we actually know more about outer space than we do about the ocean. And I don't know why that weirds me out so much, but it's like we're on earth with the and ocean. And here with us. And we're in it. We've walked in it. Like we've swam in it. We float in it. We boogie board in it. And so it's weird to me that scientists claim, which I don't know that they know what they're talking about. I think they're like meteorologists. I think they guess. Yeah. But like, I think that the idea 
that the ocean is more mysterious than outer space and that I've been in it. I don't know. That just creepy. Creepy. Kind of kind of wigs me out a little bit, but yes. um you know how I am about it though. You always have to be on the outer you. Yeah. That's you. You have like if we're in the water, yes. you have to be between me and, <laughs> and where sh- I think sharks are. Right. Me, I'm between and the you children. And the sharks. Yeah, I'm put the children in the. Listen, I told my brother today because my family were we're gonna go to the beach next summer all together, and if I die in the mouth in the jaws of a shark, I am okay with it. I just said he better kill me. Yeah, like don't like bite don't my leg off. You. Yeah, don't take my leg. Well, you Brandon would be attracted me, with one leg. <laughs> Brandon said he'd start calling me peg leg. He <laughs> wouldn't be a cute pirate, Macy. I don't think I would. So no. if I go down in the ocean because of a shark, take me. Take me all. Drag me down. No no remains. Okay. Um, I'll let go of your hand. Exactly. Um, either way, what we do know is that the home, the ocean is home to amazing sea life and creatures. We know that the ocean can be calm, but we know it can be tumultuous. We know that it is a source of life and that it can also create death. We know that the ocean possesses many secrets and that the floor of the vast blue waters is home to many unsolved and unexplained losses. Oh, for sure. And today, my sweet friend, we are going to talk about one of Maritime's most enduring and baffling mysteries. Okay. Okay, let's go back to 1861. Oh. So, like... Long okay, way. <laughs> this is not where I thought that was going. Did you think we were doing Titanic? Because that's not a mystery. No, that is not what I thought we were doing. Okay, well, we're, but this I is what we're doing. But I think we were going back to the 1800s. We're going back to big skirts and bad hair. We're going back to 1861. Okay. Okay. In the shipyard of Mr. Joshua Dewis on Spencer Island in Nova Scotia, Canada, a ship named the Amazon was completed. The impressive ship's measurements was 99.3 feet long, 25.5 feet abroad, and a depth of 11.7 feet. In her original form, the ship weighed 198.42 tons. The Amazon was launched on May the 18th of 1861, and it was almost immediately plagued with what most sources refer to as mishaps. Oh, heavens, I would have burned it. (laughs) It was made of wood. It was yeah. a floating wooden mishap. Oh, there is no way. Yeah. Like with, the island with of misfits. all the mishaps mm-hmm. that I would have gotten on that thing and gone out. Lots somewhere. of people did. Okay. Lots of people did. Yeah. During the ship's maiden voyage, the ship's captain and a partial owner, his name was Captain Robert McClellan, began having coughing fits. Okay, first of all, are they supposed to be named after women? Is this Amazon hey, woman? Hold on. We're gonna get there, Sugar Plum. Okay, I don't feel the like Amazon the name is the Yeah, the I Amazon like it doomed it. it to, yeah. to begin with. And and why is you our friend? Okay. Yeah. They they misnamed her and then there was no redemption. I believe it. Yes. So, Mr. McClellan, Captain McClellan, he started having coughing fits. So serious that many of the crew members later recalled that when he would speak to them, he would begin coughing uncontrollably, and after he would remove his handkerchief from his lips, it would be speckled with bright red blood. After days of coughing, the Amazon's first captain died of pneumonia at sea. In the following years, the the ship experienced 
lots of damage. With the death with the death of Captain McClellan, John Newding Parker took over. During the next few seasons, the Amazon collided with another boat in the English Channel and sunk the other vessel. Like, there's so much space out there. So much space, and we're bumping into each other and, and sinking. And you know the traffic in the 1800s was yeah, not... Yeah, 1863 was not rush hour shit time. Yeah. Yeah, there there was not the supply the and demand that we have. of that happening so, was, like, slim to none. Again. But, of course... Maritime mishap. Yes. Okay. In 1863, Captain William Thompson took command of the Amazon and remained with the ship until 1867. For most of the time that Captain Thompson was the captain, the Amazon had an uneventful relationship. In 1867, however, that all changed. The Amazon's crew faced a raging storm and ran her aground at Cal Bay, Cap Breton Island in Nova Scotia. Richard W. Haynes, after the wreck, he purchased the cursed ship and renamed it the Mary Celeste. Have you ever heard of the ship? I have. The Mary Celeste. Okay. So the Mary Celeste was originally the Amazon. <gasps> mm-hmm. okay. Oh, Mary Celeste never stood a chance on the seas. Yes. Yes. Haynes had a complicated relationship with the creditors, though, and depending on what sources you read, he lost the ship after it was repossessed in 1869. So she's wrecking, being renamed, sinking other ships. Like, there are lots of things, things. going on. Yes. So finally, in early 1872, the Mary Celeste found new ownership. She underwent a major refitting, which in ship terms, that's like a renovation, mm -hmm. okay? And her size was increased to a fat 103 feet long. So, it went from 99.3 feet to 103 feet long. Mary it, Celeste got a boob job. Mary, <laughs> Mary Celeste got a mommy makeover. Yes. She's longer, wider, and deeper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That I wonder was who funny. She, I wonder who she used. I wonder I what ship plastic uh, surgeon refitter person. She, I don't know. I don't know. But whoever uh, whoever she used, um, he's probably out of business. Yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. She was widened just a little bit. She went from 25.5 feet broad. She went to 25.7. But instead of only being 11.7 feet deep. So, that's like from the deck to where the ship like below the water oh. she went to 16.2 feet deep so from they, what to what from 11 point, oh, okay yes, so yeah. 11.7 uh to 16.2 there was a second deck added which gave them the okay. depth okay? okay the cost of the renovation was ten thousand dollars that seems in, like a lot back then in today's money that would have been two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to redo yeah the ship to make her to make her bigger and better so on november the 7th 1872 the mary celeste left new york harbor headed for genoa italy the ship's new captain benjamin spooner briggs is that not the cutest name you've ever heard. Benjamin Briggs. Benjamin Briggs, but Spooner. I love the name. I love his it's middle, middle name. middle name, Spooner. Benjamin Spooner Briggs. 
I don't know. I just fell in love with it. Every time I was typing it, I was just like, Spooner. Benny Baby. Benny Briggs. Spooner. Benny Briggs. Spoon. Yeah. Like, I had all these nicknames running through my head. It would be a cool nickname. Like, Spoonie. I can't or imagine Spooner. it being my actual name. I don't know. I just, I think I would have gone by Spooner. But he didn't. I mean, he went by Captain Briggs, obviously, to okay. his to his crew. But so Captain Briggs, his lovely wife Sarah, and their adorable two year old daughter I Sophia. If they did much spooning. Mm, I I think they did. I they like had two children. Spooning. I love a oh, good okay. spooning. Yeah. Yes. Um, Sophia was only two years old, so the three of them were on board the ship. The ship now weighed a hundred and ninety eight tons. Because they were on board. And the, the, and the yes and the mommy makeover yes. the mommy maritime yeah, makeover, Captain Briggs and Sarah had chosen to leave their older child, a son named Arthur Briggs, in Marion, Massachusetts. The couple the couple left the seven year old son so that he could attend school and not far not fall excuse me far behind. In her final letter to her mother in law, so Arthur was staying with Benjamin's mother. Okay. okay? In her final letter to her mother-in-law, Sarah, writes, Please tell Arthur that I make great dependence on the letters I shall get from him and will try to remember anything that happens on the voyage, which he would be pleased to hear. I just love the way they talked. They were so proper. Just Here we eloquent. are talking about boob jobs. But and people are going to listen to this. But even if they were talking about boob jobs, I just think they would do it in such a beautiful, graceful, eloquent way. I think they still have the same content. I think if their just delivery just was it. so much better. Yeah. Like, we're just... We have annihilated the, the English, English language. language. We truly... And our children? No cap. Bet. <laughs> Mic <Mind> drop. <laughs> That says it all. <laughs> Boom. Yes. yes. Um, so she was looking forward to uh, the letters that her seven-year-old son was going to write her while they were on the voyage. And she was going to also try to remember everything. So you can tell, based on that, they're going to be gone a while. This was going to take it. So going to take a bit. For a yes. seven-year-old little boy. Seven, like Gussie. Yeah. Like his age. It would be like you saying goodbye. Yeah. So, I know. Captain Briggs was a very well-respected captain within the shipping community. In total, the Mary Celeste had 10 people aboard this voyage. Mm -hmm. The ship's first mate was Albert G. Richardson. He sailed, uh, he had sailed with Captain Briggs before. The second mate was Andrew Gilling. He was 25 years old and was originally from Denmark. The steward, a newly married, a newlywed named Edward William Head. He was, uh, he was, the kind of the third in charge. Ed Head. Ed. <laughs> Unfortunate. That, that is totally what they called him. Come here, Ed Head. Yes. Ed Head. Yes. That is how he was addressed on the boat, for sure. The remaining four crewmen were all Germans. Their names were Valkert and Boz Lorenzen, brothers, okay. who we will discuss a little bit more in the future, oh. and Arian Martins, and I am going to mess this name up. Arian, I like that name. I love that name. Okay. Um, Gottlieb Goschal. I'm sure that is exactly how you say it. That is not going to be exactly, but the, I tried. Well, I googled how to say it, and every single version was different, so I went with the one that I... Ed Head would give you E forever. <laughs> Thank you, Angelica. 
um, in a letter in the final, the, the, the ship was sort of delayed a little bit as they left the harbor for um, some inclement weather. And so Sarah had an opportunity to write one more letter and she sent it to her mother and she described the crew as, quote, quietly capable. Not quite capable. Quietly. But quietly capable. Oh, quietly. Quietly capable. With so it e. sounds like they I were a quiet group of men. Okay. Okay. So she is the lone woman Which along I with her daughter. I see a woman being pleased by a quiet Absolutely, especially if your husband's the captain. Yeah. You don't want to hear him talking, you know, badly yeah. about him. Yeah. So more, most sources say that the first few days of the voyage were punctuated with bad weather, faulty sea instruments, and issues with the ship's pump system. So that's bad. Does Are you saying sewer? Not sewer. The oh. pump. So, so Pumping the water out. Yes. Any okay. water that would have got into the okay. ship, they had two pumps. That would have pumped the water back into the ocean. But they've got bad weather. Is that manual? No. In the 1800s? Not these. These were not. Okay. They, in fact, were going to find that they had been disabled. Oh, But that the, the pumps, or that one had been disabled. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the ill-fated shapes cargo. Ship shapes. God, I, like, it's like I can't talk Here, sometimes. take another drink. <laughs> don't think that's going to help. <laughs> uh, the ill-fated ship's cargo consisted of 1,700 barrels of crude alcohol. Not wine. But industrial crude alcohol. Which I think, based on my research, was going to turn into something that humans consumed. Oh. Okay. Purposefully put on the ship yes, for the that voyage? was the cargo. They were trying to get 1,700 barrels of industrial crude alcohol to Genoa, Italy. Okay. That was What were the they going to make with it? I mean, it was going to be the Italians doing something. Benjamin Spooner Briggs was just trying to get it to them. And it, the alcohol made it. Mm-hmm. Okay. The alcohol made it. Okay. On November the 25th, in his last journal entry. Well, I can already tell what's going to happen with all these last journal entries. No, you can't. Journal entries I promise and, you can't. Well, I feel I, like the, since it was their last, we know they didn't write any more. That would be a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but we don't know. Anything else. Okay. But what I'm okay. going to tell you. They reached um, Santa Maria Island in the Azores. That sounds lovely. So, on November 25th, Captain Briggs writes that, hey, we've had bad weather. My sea instruments are kind of jacked up and not working. Um, our pump I system. I had a coach in geography, so I'm not sure where that is in relation to Italy. Yeah. It's like... Not there? No, not there. Okay. No. But headed... That direction, okay, but not there. They were on course. Eek. Oh gosh. Eek. Okay, but that's what he put in the journal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was when when the sh that was his last entry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. They made it to Santa Maria, supposedly. <gasps> Thank you.
So on December the 5th of 1872, less than a month since the Mary Celeste departed from New York, Captain David Morehouse, so different captain, mm -hmm. okay, of the Dia Gracia and his crew saw a ship at full mast floating, quote, erratically and aimlessly approximately 400 miles east of the Azores. I am picturing what that would mean to, to see. Because, I'm like, with a car on a road, uh -huh. you can see it driving aimlessly and know someone has passed out or, you know, you've seen videos Correct. of such. Huh? How does a ship that's so, gargantuous look like it's floating in an odd manner. Well, because I think even though, I mean, I think if you're nautically trained, I mean, I think if me and you saw a ship floating erratically and aimlessly, we would it not. It would just look like a ship we going would just think, exactly oh where God, it needed to go. That, look at that ship. That looks fun. But this ship had full mass, so that means all the cells are up. Okay. And it is not... It was not a time that that should have been happening based on wind and stuff. Perhaps that or just the fact that maybe the ship was not headed in a straight course. Because if you think about it, I mean, a ship is going it to... It could have been doing circles. Circles okay. or just maybe that's teetering back and forth. Like there could have been a lot of things. But they, they, they came up, they saw the ship, and they knew that something Something's was arrived. Not. Yes. Okay. And so, um, he immediately changed course to see if he could offer Captain Briggs help because, funny fact, they were buddies. They had actually had dinner together the night before the Mary Celeste left New York Harbor. So, Captain Briggs and Captain Morehouse, they know each other. Captain Morehouse knows this is the Mary Celeste. And he's like, oh man, I gotta go see if I can help my buddy. Is this fishy? Well, okay, go on. Okay. So, Captain Morehouse sent um, what is called a boarding party onto the seemingly abandoned ship. So, imagine they this. You're in the boat. middle of the ocean. Uh-huh. In the middle of the ocean. There is no land, Angela. No, no shore, no land in sight. You are out in the middle of the ocean, and you see a ship that you know the captain of the ship. You pull up to it, nobody. So you send some of your crewmen onto that ship as a boarding crew. Okay. The ship was eerily silent. <gasps> and while some of the charts in the cargo were intact, they had been completely strewn about. There was no sign of damage or distress though. The Dia de Gracia, the Dia de Gracia crewmen who boarded the Mary Celeste, they did notice that a single lifeboat was missing. And and, I, and as I mentioned, mentioned earlier, there was about three and a half feet of water in the boat, but that was nowhere enough water to render the ship unworthy of sea travel. So they get on the boat, they get on the Mary Celeste, nobody, they can't find anybody. They go down into the captain's quarters. There's charts kind of thrown around. Uh -huh. They see nothing hear no one, and there's about three and a half feet of water in the hole. But that would not have sunk the ship. It was not enough to okay. sink the ship. 
One of the ship's two pumps had been disassembled. It had been taken apart. So there had been something and someone had taken one of the pumps, had disassembled it and it was no longer working. The ship's crew's belongings were completely undisturbed. There was no rapid packing. There was no plundering. There was no... Everything was left. Everything was left perfect as far as the crew. The only thing that has been just a little bit awry are the charts and the disassembled pump. Mm -hmm. The ship had plenty of food. In fact, it had six months worth of food. And based on what Captain Morehouse knew about the Mary Celeste departure from New York because he had had dinner with Captain Briggs, he knew that the ship had already should have already been in Genoa, Italy at this point. So by December the 5th, the ship should have already reached its destination and it was nowhere near its destination. The ship's journal showed the final entry that we talked about on November 25th. The entry noted that the ship and her crew had come within sight of Santa Maria Island in the Azores on the 25th. Nine days later, however, the ship was found by the De Gracia about four to 500 miles from their last known location. The captain's journal, Captain Briggs, also detailed the harsh weather the ship had endured on her journal and the captain's issues with certain maritime instruments that he had needed for navigation. Once the ship was searched and the crew of the De Gracia determined that the Mary Celeste was indeed completely abandoned, Captain Morehouse ordered that those members who had already boarded the ship, that they would sell that ship to Gibraltar, which was approximately 800 miles from where they discovered her. Now, it depends on the source, but... I'd say, no thank you. <laughs> yes. No every, thank you. Everybody knew about the Mary Celeste reputation. <clears throat> like, this was well-known knowledge. Yeah. There was nothing. I'd be saying, listen, you get up here and you sell it back. If <laughs> you, 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 I, it's just fine floating. <laughs> it has been for nine days. Well, okay, you're going to figure out why they didn't do that, though. I'm going to okay, tell you. Okay. But just keep in mind, though, that according to what the investigation that's going to come out, they, instead of going directly to Gibraltar, which is where they were going to turn the ship into uh, British authorities. Captain Morehouse tells the boarding crew to take the ship to Genoa, Italy, deliver the alcohol, and then come to Gibraltar. And that's going to piss a lot of people off because they find the ship completely abandoned, no people on it, and they think they should have gone directly to where. Yes, you okay. should. But Morehouse, in his... My friend. And in his desire to... We have 1,700 barrels yeah. of alcohol. And so, he sends the boarding crew to Genoa. They do eventually, though, make it to Gibraltar. So, once they get to Gibraltar, um, they have what's called a salvage hearing. And this is where... This is where things get uh, sticky and touchy and people start throwing around all sorts of accusations. Okay. okay. So you got to imagine, you're in Britain, you are part of this admiral uh, assembly of people who is tasked 
with investigating how 10 people vanished. But the ship, there was nothing wrong with the ship. These people just literally seemingly evaporated into the ocean. So they, many people on the board very, very quickly suspected foul play. Yeah. And especially since Captain Morehouse sent the ship to Genoa Mm -hmm. and went ahead and made that delivery, they would have also received payment for that. So a salvage hearing is when a ship is abandoned or found, whoever finds it is considered the salvager. They have salvaged the ship. That would be Captain Morehouse and his entire crew. Okay. These inquiries are used to determine whether or not the insurance companies, which don't you love insurance? Oh, they had yeah. insurance back then? They did. Uh, of course de- they did. Of course they did. Um, they would determine whether or not the insurance companies who insured the ships and the cargo would compensate the people who found and safely returned the cargo and the ship. So these ships and their cargo are insured. Mm-hmm. If they're abandoned, wrecked, whatever happens, if the boat is saved and the cargo is saved, the people who do the saving can file on the insurance and be paid whatever the insur- whatever the ship and the cargo have been insured for. So, well, that, for instance, yes. Was nice. So, in the case of the Mary Celeste, this hearing would be held to determine whether or not the crew of the Dia de Gracia would be paid $46,000 because that's what the Mary Celeste. That would be worth somebody doing something naughty to get that well money. Well over a million dollars yeah. in that time. The attorney general overseeing the hearing, a man by the name of Frederick, Frederick Solly Flood. Don't you think it's kind of funny that his last name is Flood? And he's an insurance? Well, he's a part of the admiral hearing. Like, he oh. deals with water, and his last name is Flood. It is ironic. <laughs> Solly hyphen Flood. I don't know. I just thought yeah. it was kind of interesting. Why do you... Why, yeah. Yeah, so old Frederick, though, he could not shake the feeling that the captain, talking about Captain Morehouse, and the crew of the seemingly good Samaritan ship, De Gracia, was hiding something, and that they had been part and parcel to what happened to the captain and the crew of the Mary Celeste. He also took issue with the fact that the ship had drifted so far off course and was completely unoccupied. He did not think that the ship could have drifted four to 500 miles off of its course with no one aboard. Okay. Like, he thought there's... It would something would have happened. Fast There's no Freddy way. Was in the house. Yes, exactly. But after almost three months of investigation, the inquiry determined that there was no foul play and that the crew should be compensated. However, wow. the uh, inquiry only paid them one sixth of the forty six thousand insurance companies. I hate insurance it companies. Was they were the same back then, too. You know, I tell people all the time, when my family got into this almost 25 years ago, insurance adjusters used to, they wanted to pay you. If you had paid your premiums and you had a loss, they were looking for a way and a reason to pay to you. you. Now, it is totally different. Mm-hmm. People they think, want to look for a way to not. They're looking for the grade and not pay. Yeah. 
And it's so hard as the broker because that's what we are. We're not a company. I don't work for a carrier. Um, It's so hard for us to make our insureds understand that we are not doing that. That's not us. That it it is the carriers who are doing that. But anyways, it was the same kind of deal back then. So I think it's safe to say that the authorities um, who were part of the investigation were not wholly convinced that Captain Morehouse and his crew were completely innocent. But what happened? So we're going to talk about it. Please do. But there's a family of three and seven crew members and one lifeboat gone. They took no food. They took no belongings. There was no sign of foul play. It's weird because... Like, I'm trying to think of all the things that could have happened. Like, if they, if somebody was trying to cover something up, it looks like they would make things look a certain way. Right. You Even if it was staged. Yeah. But, like, or, well, so we're going to talk about the old theories. We're going to get the funny ones out first. Okay. So, I kind of just kind of want you to, like, lean into this. And whatever you oh, think, gosh. I just need you to say it, okay? I, you know I will. Yes. So, what the one of the biggest theories at the time was... I can't. A sea monster or a great octopus? Well, (laughs) the thought crossed my mind because we prefaced this before recording with how you were telling me that scientists say. (laughs) That's what they say. That the ocean, there's less we know about the ocean and its inhabitants. Well, do you watch Shark Week with your kids? Every year. The Megalodon. That's yeah. what I was thinking when I was typing this. I'm like, we have found the jaw. Yeah. We have these teeth. We have this jaw that a six-foot man can stand in, but we have no megalodon. And so who am I to say there's no sea monster? But here's my problem. Mm-hmm. If a sea monster or a great octopus, so imagine a great octopus. Let's just take it. Ursula. That's uh, Ursula. Imagine Ursula comes up from the bottom of the ocean and mm-hmm. she's got her tentacles and they're ginormous. They are skyscraper high. When it, she comes down onto the ship. It's going to have a dent or something. Correct. There's going to be more than a disabled pump. Yes. We're, we're going to have some issues there. And I don't Agreed. think a sea monster would have given a warning. Like, I don't think she'd have been like, hey, I'm coming. Well, you know, the mermaids and mermen supposedly could lure people. Oh, true. Like a Harry Potter style? Yeah. They like could lure they people to their death. Um, like with music and, like you know. Like a siren. Like a, yes. Of the sea. Yes. And then they'll just jump in. That's possible. Go okay. on. Okay. Okay. So, scenario? I mean, after all, I, I I do think we have to consider the fact though that if it had been a sea monster, I'm not saying mermaids and mermen who they lured them out with a song of the sirens. Well, but if it had been I a giant open. octopus, yes, which most people that was the sea that monster was, they attributed okay. it to, mm-hmm. there would have been damage. Exactly. Can we agree? We can agree on that, but I, after hearing the others, I may want to speak to authorities on reopening the case based on <laughs> mermaid facts that I learned from Little Mermaid. Well, The Little Mermaid and Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, this one is actually what I believe. Um, okay. It's killer water spouts. So I like deep dove rabbit hold this. Because my family, we've been through hurricanes, and like in Texas, we hear about tornadic activity all the time. I mean, we had a tornado tear through Brashear 
13 months ago and mm-hmm. destroyed multiple homes that yeah. we insured. So a killer water spout, there are two types. Um, there are what's called a tornadic water spout and a fair weather water spout. We don't care about the fair weather water spouts. Those are not the ones that we're worried about. We're worried about the tornadic ones. And saying true to their name, a tornadic water spout, they are similar to a tornado. So imagine a tornado on the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a spray ring or funnel shaped, of, shaped mass of water that is formed from the base of a cumulus cloud that is resting on the water's surface. According to AmericanOceans.org, tornadic, tornadic water spouts can be, quote, very dangerous and can cause significant damage to boats and coastal communities. They are characterized by high winds, high seas, and large hail. If you think about it, all he did was talk about bad weather. Mm-hmm. And his instrument's not working. High winds, high waters. How did the pump become disabled? Well, if water was getting onto the boat, and it, well, I'm going to tell you how that happens. Okay. But essentially, there was water coming aboard, and the ship, the the pump did malfunction. They do figure out what caused it. Okay. But I think that they're, having been through a hurricane and having seen the power of the ocean, if I was a wooden vessel, I don't care if I'm 103 feet long and 25.7 feet wide. Yeah. That is small. That is real small. Since there were nine barrels of alcohol, now I've kind of been hiding this from you. So I keep saying there's 1,700 barrels of alcohol. Okay. There were nine barrels that were found empty. So somebody had been drinking. On the boat. Oh. Okay. Nine barrels? Nine barrels. In and how much time? Well, the they left on... Hold on. They left on... I'm just going to do some division and add yes. and subtract. So, November the 7th. One. November the 7th. Okay. They left. The last journal entry was on the 25th. That's the last known communication. So, what is that? Is that 18 days? Something along those lines. Misinsurance. And so there are nine barrels of alcohol missing. And I think it's safe to say that Sophia, the two year old, is not drinking. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bet Sarah, the wife, wasn't partaking. And given the, he, his journal entries were not drunken rambling. So I'm going to say Colonel Briggs or Captain Briggs was probably. So seven men. Nine barrels of alcohol. Drank nine barrels. Supposedly. Supposedly. So that's a barrel a man. Pretty much. We can do a bottle of woman. (laughs) But not a barrel. These are barrels. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, So that has led a lot of people to conclude that it was mutiny, that Uh the crew got wasted, and that they turned on Captain Briggs and his family. And in my notes, I said, okay, I'll bite. The quiet men. But what the hell happened to them? Even if it's mutiny. Well, even if it was the tornado thing you talked about, it looks like they would be dead inside the ship if they drowned. I agree with you. Unless the storm had been such, if he was within sight of an island, he could have taken the lifeboat. Because if the ship is taking on water, mm-hmm. imagine this: the pump is broken. Oh, the ship is taking lifeboat. on water. There's there's a lifeboat missing. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me that if he could see land 
and he his ship was taking on water mm-hmm. that and there were storms massive massive storms that he would have wanted to get off of the water in some way but we're going to talk about that more okay. later pirate attack but the ship wasn't looted everything was there the alcohol was still there except nine for the nine barrels, barrels. Were gone. but the nine barrels weren't gone they were empty empty and all of the ships, all of the crewmen's belongings were completely intact. Not pirates. I don't think it's pirates either. Yeah. In 1884, Sir Ar- Arthur Conan Doyle, inspired by the story of Mary Celeste, wrote a short story claiming that the crew and the family who were aboard the Mary Celeste fell victim to an ex-slave seeking vengeance. The story, completely f- fictitious, obviously did not solve the mystery, but it invigorated the desire to do so. So almost 10 years after it disappears, a little over 10 years, this guy writes this completely fictitious story saying some pissed off slave came aboard the ship and killed them all. But one of the most popular theories from way back then was that fumes escaping from the barrels of industrial alcohol and that and either the ship's occupants, they, they believed that there were fumes escaping from the barrels and that the ship's occupant, occupants either fell ill or they smelled the fumes and abandoned ship. Because as they were getting closer to the Azores, as they would have come closer to the Santa Maria Islands, it was getting hotter. Mm-hmm. And the barrels were expanding because that's what happens in the heat. And so they believed that maybe that happened. But the people who boarded the ship when it was found from the DeGracia, said they smelled nothing. And it was even hotter where they found it. Yeah. So, but here's where it gets a little bit like, Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. So, do you remember how I told you all those seven crewmen that um, there were three that we named, and then there were four Germans? Mm -hmm. Two of them were brothers. Yes. There were Volkert and Boz Lorenzen. They were suspected by many in the beginning. While all of the ship's crewmen's belongings were completely intact and and undisturbed, the belongings of the Lorenzen brothers have never been found. <gasps> that This prompted many. Them. Well, hold on. They hold were working horses. with Ursula. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You just solved it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a 150-year-old mystery. Lorenz is their name? Lorenzen. Lorenzen. Lorenzen, yes. And the fact that their belongings were never found, that that prompted many people to believe that they were somehow responsible for the disappearance of those on ship and that they had taken the lifeboat. But according to most sources, the brothers were seamen. So that means they worked. So basically how it kind of worked, Angela, is like these people didn't work on the same boat. Mm-hmm. They would be on a boat, they would be on the Mary Celeste, and then they would go to a port, they would complete a voyage, they would go to a port, and then they'd be sitting at a pub, a bar, somewhere, and they would just get hired to go on a new voyage for okay. a different ship. Uh-huh. Okay, so it was kind of like being an independent contractor. Okay. You weren't tied to one ship and yes. tied to one captain. No okay. allegiance. Correct. And so, uh, people who knew the brothers said that they were seamen and had been aboard a ship a few days before the boarding of the Mary Celeste, and that because of bad weather, they had lost all of their belongings on the previous ship, so that they literally boarded the Mary Celeste with nothing to their name. 
Plus, those who have investigated the mystery conclude that they had absolutely no motive and that they would have like, taken would more been, would and would have surfaced. Yes. Yeah. So, the new theories. The most likely scenario is that Captain Briggs inco- incorrectly thought that the ship was taking on too much water and was at risk of sinking. I agree with that. Uh, this theory was supported by the fact that an instrument called a sounding rod it's a tool that's used to determine the amount of water in a ship's hold because they don't have lights. So this hold is almost 17 feet deep. Oh. You can't see. Can't tell. And so they would stick this rod down into the hole and however wet the rod was, that's how wet, that's how much water was sitting in the hole of the ship. Mm-hmm. And that rod was found on the deck when the boarding crew boarded the Mary Celeste. Most historians and investigators who have looked at the mystery agree that the presence of this instrument suggests that Captain Briggs may have grown concerned and he had used the sounding rod before he decided to abandon ship. We know it was a perfectly seaworthy ship now, but there was no way for him to know that. Yeah, so they did that. It's storming. Everybody gets on the little lifeboat. They didn't make it. Everything would be disturbed. Okay. Undisturbed. Okay. Well, I like, I like where your head's at. When the DeGrasio crew boarded the ship, they found that the pump had been disassembled. A faulty reading of the sounding rod and an ineffective pump could have led Captain Briggs to believe that the ship was floundering and that he should have abandoned yeah. it. Um, but in 2022, so just like one year ago, a lady named Anne McGregor and an oceanographer named Phil Richardson began what? is in my opinion, the most scientific, in-depth investigation into what actually happened to the crew members on board the Mary Celeste. So using modern technology and historical documents and logs, the two were able to piece together a picture of what likely really did happen. Between Frederick's flood notes, so remember Frederick Solly Flood? The, yes. The douchebag who thought that yeah. the other crew member probably did something bad. So Briggs's note logs have been lost. They were lost like 10 years after the ship was found. Yes. So Frederick Flood's notes were all they had to work with. But then these crazy smart people, Ann McGregor and Phil Richardson, they took climate information taken from the International Comprehensive Ocean Atmosphere Data Set. It's called ICEODS. And they were able to track the exact route of this doomed ship. After extensive analysis, the duo concluded that Captain Briggs as capable and as experienced as he was, was completely off course. He was nowhere where he thought he was. He was 120 miles west of where he thought he had been when he pinned his final journal entry on November the 25th. So that's like thinking you're in Fort Worth and you're here. And you're here. Right. And on the ocean, that would be a big deal. Yes, and it was primarily probably because of the weather and his faulty instruments, okay? Um, 
This was also almost certainly due to the weather and the faulty instruments, like you just said. Briggs uh, should have sighted land three full days before he finally did. So on the night of November 24th, records show that Captain Briggs changed his course and set off to the north. That night, the ship and the crew faced really, really rough storms and winds and, quote, at, quote, more than 35 knots. And when I looked at that, 35 knots is a lot of wind. Like, it's, it's not hurricane wind or tornadic wind, but it is definitely wind. A lot of wind. Gosh. So, during her investigation, Anne McGregor learned that the last time the Mary Celeste set sail before the doomed journey of Captain Briggs, her cargo had been black coal. She suspects that during that voyage, dust from the huge amount of coal would have damaged and clogged the ship's pump system. Plus, the ship had recently been renovated, refitted, mm -hmm. like I said, mm -hmm. and the construction would have generated dust as well. Those two things combined, she says, could and would have accounted for the failed and disassembled pump. And that brings us to the issue of the water in the ship's hull. Because of all the barrels of alcohol, Captain Briggs would not have been able to see how much water was actually down there. So if you take the stormy conditions, the failed pump, the uncertainty about the amount of water, knowing he had been off course because it had taken three days longer than he anticipated to see land, Captain Benjamin Spooner Briggs may have decided that the risk of staying with his ship was too great. And having his young wife and baby daughter on board. Even more scary. Yes, because most, you hear the saying like captains will go down with their ship, but he wouldn't have put his wife and baby on a boat with a bunch of men. Yeah. He would have gone with them. Okay. But it's important to mention that almost everyone who thinks um, that they did this, they, they opine that it's utter insanity for Briggs to have chosen the ship's small lifeboat over the ship herself. When the ship was examined by officials at the salvage hearing, it was determined that the ropes holding the lifeboat to the Mary Celeste had been cut not tied. For many, that indicated that whatever happened happened quickly and that the crew responded in haste. One historian and ship aficionado actually surmised that it would have been better to stay on the Mary Celeste even if they feared explosion because the timbers of the ship would have provided more safety than the small lifeboat in the ocean. True story. True story. Like they were like, let the ship blow up. There's still going to be enough wood for you to float on. And that's going to be better than the lifeboat. What in the world? I know. That's what they said. So something happened. Something made this seasoned captain opt for the small lifeboat. Something made him believe that the best choice was to abandon what everyone since then has irrefutably deemed a seaworthy vessel. If they did leave the ship on the lifeboat, but they did so because they were close enough to land, where'd they go? Like, if they got on the little lifeboat because they could see Santa Maria Islands, are they in Santa Maria Islands? Yeah. Is that where they went? Um, I can't imagine that being a viable scenario. And unfortunately, while I think some people are closer to the truth than others, and even though I think I believe, I think I know what happened, um, we probably will never really know. After the ship was rescued by Captain Morehouse and his crew, she would have she would sail for another 12 years on the high sea. Oh she would gosh. have multiple owners and would never outsell her mysterious, seemingly cursed reputation. Another captain would die on the Santa Maria. Oh, gosh. 
once again reminding the ship that she was cursed. It seemed, at least to those in the shipping community, that no one wanted the mysterious ship. Finally, in November of 1884, Captain Gilman C. Parker sealed the fate of the forlorn ship. Conspiring with other worthless crooks, Captain Parker loaded the Mary Celeste with absolutely worthless cargo. So he took the ship and put a bunch of completely useless crap on it. But his manifest, which is where you list Mm -hmm. all your cargo Mm -hmm. and your people, would indicate that he had lots of important, not priceless, but very expensive things aboard. Having intentionally over-insured the loan, Parker set sail for Haiti on December 16, 1884. As the Mary Celeste approached Port-au-Prince in January of 1885, her final captain intentionally ran the ship onto a large barrier reef. In doing so, the Mary Celeste was essentially destroyed. Parker tore the bottom of the ship apart, rendering the vessel irreparable. After their fraud was uncovered, Captain Parker, along with his co-conspirators, were charged and tried for insurance fraud. Parker was also charged with a crime known as baratry. It is, quote, the willful casting away of a ship. At the time, it carried the death penalty. <gasps> yes. Really? Well, think about how valuable they had to have been. I mean, these ships were worth, and that's how, we didn't have trains, we didn't have planes, we didn't have automobiles. It's the only way we moved goods. That's how we got spices and teas death and penalty? the death penalty. However, the judge did not want to carry out an expensive trial, and thus he created a compromise where those who were charged, so Parker and his conspirators, they would drop their insurance claims and they would repay any and all funds that they had been inappropriately paid. And while that compromise might seem a bit lax, the power of the Maris Celeste did not allow those who callously destroyed her to escape punishment. Captain Parker's professional reputation was completely destroyed by his actions. He died penniless and impoverished three months after the charges against him. Three months? Three months. How did he die? Penniless and impoverished. No, but how did he die? We don't know. No. Just poor and disgraced. Wow. One of his co-dependents reportedly went mad, and numerous sources claimed another one killed himself. One observer from the time said, quote, If the court of man could not punish these men, the curse of that deviled ship since her first captain, Robert McClellan, had died on her maiden voyage could reach beyond the vessel's watery grave and extract its own terrible retribution. <gasps> there should be a movie made. Ursula. Yes. Yes. So as of today, Ange, the, ma- the remains of the Mary Celeste have never been exactly located. Uh, A lot of people have claimed that they found it, but all of them, when they test the wood, the trees would have still been alive when the Mary Celeste sunk. Oh, So they can't be. They can't be it. But somewhere beneath the Haitian waters, the metal and timbers of one of the world's most well-known and most mysterious ships lay on the floor of the ocean. And all the secrets and all the answers of what happened, happened to Captain Briggs, his family, and their crew lie far below the waters with her. And that was wow. so crazy. I mean, 10 people just vanished. Vanished. Like, gone. Never. I mean, 
completely gone. Yeah. They, I mean, having spent a lot of time on the ocean and my brother-in-law is in the Navy. Yes. I mean, there are lots of stories of just complete disappearance, but I don't know. I mean, so creepy. They didn't take a morsel of food. Mm-mm. They had to they have had seen to have been land somewhere, and they thought they were going to get there. They had to have. They there's no way a man would have put his wife and child on a lifeboat if he didn't think that they could make the short trip from the ship they were leaving to the land that they needed They're to that get to. Or the mermaids. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's got to be that or the one mermaids. One of the two. Mary Celeste and the Mermaids. Maybe we should make a movie. We should. We could develop our own hypothesis of what happened and then just take a lot of creative liberty. Listen, what we've just mentioned that you'll be listening to on this podcast, we're going to copyright or whatever we need to do. <laughs> Nobody's stealing our idea. That's exactly right. We claim that. Yes. We, mermaid, Mary Celeste and the Mermaids, nobody else. <laughs> it's ours. It's ours. But no, I just think it's fascinating because I do love the ocean and I'm not scared of it. Like I'm, but I think that's probably naive on my part. I think I should be scared of it. Yes. And so when I read this, because all of these people were experienced, trained maritimers. Yeah. And they just, I mean, we found the Titanic. And there were seven men, eight men. So, they all agreed with whatever. They could have stayed on the boat. If they got in that tiny lifeboat, whatever was going on, they agreed. Like, like they could have easily said, no, I think I'll just ride it out. Right. And I'll bring the ship up to shore tomorrow and put it in the garage. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just park it under the... Yeah, once the storm, once it stops raining, Mm -hmm. I'll... Bring it back to you. I think the point, though, of a lot of people was, okay, let's say there was a storm. Let's say that. An almost 200-ton ship is going to be a much safer, stable vessel than an itty-bitty, itty-bitty And and what about them drinking all the booze? Nine barrels. Okay, so if they're drinking all the booze and they're drunk and yada-yada and revolting, then... They're not going to agree with him to get off the ship even more so if they're all seasoned. The only thing I can think of as far as the mutiny is that they killed the family. They would have had to have killed Captain Briggs, Sarah, and Sophia, thrown their bodies overboard. We would not find that, sharks. and Yeah. I mean, they would, we would never find bodies. Yeah. But, and then they would have panicked no yeah because they didn't know what captain briggs knew and they thought the ship might sink then they would have gotten onto the lifeboat and you know sunk somewhere between karma and karma's a bitch yes so i mean that i'm not saying that didn't happen i just don't know that there was any reason other than drunkenness and perhaps perhaps that maybe captain briggs was you know holding steady to a course that they thought was foolish and they got wasted and killed him and his wife and his kid. I don't know. I, for me, it just seems more like a natural disaster, like some type of water spout. The fact that she said they were quiet Quietly. is creepy to me. Yes. That's how she described them. And, you know, for Germans, I'm not like being prejudiced in any way, but like 
who's to say that there wasn't some type of nefarious plot going into it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they wanted to take over a ship and take 1700, 1,700 barrels of alcohol because I'm going to assume that that was an extremely valuable cargo at the time. 1,700 barrels is a bunch of alcohol. It's a lot. Yeah. Plus a ship. Yeah. And, but they probably, I mean, my dad always said, sometimes you bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. I mean, if they were not, they were not captains themselves. And it was delivered. It was delivered. And the investigation, oh my gosh, those guys in Britain on the salvage hearing, their panties were in a real wad. Yeah. Because Morehouse had made the executive decision, essentially, once he found this abandoned ship to complete the voyage and deliver the alcohol. And they thought that that in and of itself proved that he was greedy Mm -hmm. and wanted the money Mm -hmm. because that played into the worth of the ship. And so I think that, I I don't know. I just, it's, if you, if you Google the Mary, the Mary Celeste, it is one of those things that if you love the ocean and history and maritime history, if you love that, the Mary Celeste is one of the most, because it literally was doomed from the get-go, and then it has never truly been found, and we know exactly where it sank. Like, we know where it sank. We know the name of the reef, and we can't find the freaking boat. Oh, I That's why they that. call it the ghost ship. <sighs> I know. Okay, when we make our millions, I want to be a sea investigator with you. <laughs> Aquatic investigators. I want us to buy one of those little um, aquatic uh, things that just two people like can fit submarine. in. Like a submarine? Just two people can fit in. Okay. Um, I used to be obsessed with a movie. I hope I can remember the name of it now that I've mentioned it. Abyss. Oh, God. And I want one of those little things. Mm-hmm. Like a rover kind of thing that yes. goes underwater. Yes. And I want us to find it. I think we can. Well, I there have, there was one really uh, le- seemingly legitimate claim uh, not too long ago where a man said but that... But the wood just... It, the wood wasn't old enough. Yeah. Mm-mm, the wood was too young. But I, I do think that... Because when you think about the shipwrecks that we have located and the 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 crash sites that we've located on the ocean in depths that are not, I mean, the pressure is so extreme. I mean, just not too long ago, that sub carrying those four people trying to go look at the Titanic, it exploded. Mm -hmm. And we're in 2023. The fact that we do know exactly where this is and that the waters, I mean, they're not shallow by any, but they're not the depths that we've found yeah. ships in and other places yeah. in the Atlantic um, and that we can't find it. And that lit- it, when you Google the Mary Celeste, she is called the ghost ship. She is called the ghost ship because the people vanished and she's never been located. That is craziness. It's wickedly like, I would not swim in those waters and I'm not scared. I'm not like that. Like, I believe in angels and demons. I don't believe in ghosts. You would go in the middle of the ocean and jump in? Yes. You would? 100%. Cannonball. Yes. Macy Mariah. Make me walk the plank. 
I'm yes. Now I, I want you to save me after you do so, but yes, I would jump into you, the. Would you stay overnight in on a like a little float from your pool? No, in the ocean. Not on a little float, but a lifeboat probably. Yes, I am. If it was just one night. One night. Mm-hmm. And if I had a bottle of By wine. By yourself. A bottle of wine and a lifeboat. I feel like I could, too, as long as I knew the weather You know, and I think there's something beautiful about the yeah, ocean. Yeah, if, the, if, the, if it was calm, it would be beautiful. Within, I think the silence. You know, as long as, you know, you mentioned you have the wine, the wine bottle, the yes. um, corkscrew. Mm-hmm. As long as you had that in your lifeboat. Yes, and a, and a gloss. Yeah, or just drink it from the bottle. Yeah, I mean, we could, got the we could screen. totally white trash well, it. I'm good yeah. with that. Um, I mean, we might do, but... Yes, I would. I, yeah, if I knew it was going to be calm... I would I would be much yeah. more willing to be, to spend a night on the ocean in a lifeboat than I would to go into outer space in a spaceship. There is no way I would what launch myself. you know myself. you're 300 miles from land? I would be fine with that. I would almost welcome that. If I knew I was going to be rescued the well, next day. you knew you were going to be rescued. Yes, but if I could float for 10 to 12 hours. What if it was 10 to 12 days? Yeah, Imagine no. the weight we lost. <laughs> we would lose. I, what could we call that? The water wave weight loss. We got to come up with a name for that. We yeah. got to package that, promote it. I mean, you spend and then twelve we days. We will drive around in a motorboat around the people trying to lose weight that are in the lifeboat, and we'll be like, "Looking good. Put some <laughs> here's some chapstick, though." Yeah, like beat like meat. Yeah, basic needs like water. Yeah, chapstick, lip gloss. Well, chapstick. I say lip gloss because yeah. I, I feel. I mean, chapstick when you're in the moment of that would do. Right, it would. Like a a good Burt's Bee or something. But, no, I I do. I think there's just something so much more appealing to me about about the ocean. Um, I'm far more comfortable there than I am in the air. I would much rather be on a ship than an airplane. I don't know. I just... But... I'm sure Captain Briggs and his wife thought that same thing, and all those crewmen, they had done this. true. Whatever happened to Dozens them. and dozens and dozens of times, and they literally left. Did not see it coming. And their seven-year-old son, one of the those investigators that I was telling you about, Ann McGregor and Phil Richardson, they actually went to Marion, Massachusetts, and interviewed descendants of the son. Okay. Because they still That's lived there. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that. Yeah, Arthur, he lived his life with his family. And um, he's no longer alive, but they interviewed descendants and said that, you know, all they could, all they could say was that Captain Briggs was very experienced. That all the family stories just talked about how he would not have abandoned the ship unless he had a good reason to. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. I'm just saying. But well, we don't know if this was crime. It's possible, but we don't know that it wasn't. We don't know that it wasn't. Correct. So, we're just going to let y'all decide. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. 
Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bottle of Bedlam. Send us a recommendation for a case, a crime, a mystery at bottleofbedlam at gmail.com. And don't forget to drop your favorite vino in the comments of our episode by email or on our social media. We are always looking for a wine to pair with our episodes.